0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Early Education Show, our last show for 2017. It's been a big year. It's episode 53. Uh, I'm Liam. I'm Lisa. And I'm Leanne. And yeah, welcome to our last episode. We've been away for a little while and we'll be away for a little while again after this. But we wanted to, uh, is it it tradition if you've only done it twice? We did it last year. I don't know if we do it.
1: Oh, definitely. That's a a long tradition (laughs) in the history of the Early Education Show.
0: I think it's fantastic. Definitely. what we did at the end of twenty sixteen was we did a sort of um, a bit of a summary of the year and then a look ahead to the next year and answered a few listener Q and A. So we're going to do the exact same thing uh, this week. And twenty seventeen was uh, do we think overall it was a bigger year for early childhood than twenty sixteen? I think it was. It felt a bit. I feel a bit more tired. At no, twenty
2: sixteen was big. You do, it's just longer away.
0: It's receded. Into <laughs> You've forgotten the,
2: guess, how big I- it was. I feel, in a way, twenty seventeen was just like one big long whinge. Not from us, of course, but just like <laughs> a, the the things the things that we that were problematic just went on all year.
0: Yeah. Um. Before we get yeah. into so the first part of Web so we're gonna. The way we're going to do it is we're going to each of us just sort of pick one thing, an event, a conversation, a, a something that sort of either sums up the year for us or um, we think was the most important event of the year. And We haven't told each other what they are, so hopefully we haven't picked the same one. Um, I just want to really quickly say we've, we've, we've been off for about a month or so. Our last episode was about three or four weeks ago, and we've been a little bit... Sporadic, sort of before then. And um, we've just had a lot of lovely emails and tweets and comments from people saying how much they enjoy the show, which has actually uh, really helped. So I think, um, without going into too much detail between all three of us, I think it's actually the second half of the year has been quite challenging personally and professionally for all of us. I think it was getting quite difficult for us to do this every single week. Um, and it actually means quite a lot. So thanks to everyone who did just, you know, whether it was just a really quick retweet or um, a nice little comment or a quick email, it actually meant... Uh, quite a lot during um, – was it? yeah, it was a bit of a tough time for everyone, I think, for a little while. So I think we're all glad to be heading towards a bit of a break and a bit of a holiday at the end of the year. But I just wanted yeah. to send that out there. Hey. Thanks, everyone. Yes. You're all the best <laughs> but, listeners. Yeah, yeah,
2: there. yeah, there's still a week and a half – or a week and three days to go. <laughs> there is. There is. But you know what? Um, I think I was going to sort of do this at the end, but I'll do it at the beginning because it's always – you can't always do things at the end. Um, was I was just thinking about all of those wonderful – Wonderful educators in every centre across Australia, thinking, "Okay, we're we're coming up to the end of the year. It's an exciting time, and there's lots of things happening. But what wonderful work everybody has done! And I just think, thanks, everyone. Good job. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> there was nothing more to that.
0: All right. Well, let's leap into it. So, Leanne, we're gonna we're gonna get you to kick us off as uh, first cab off the rank so what do you what's what's the one thing from 2017 you want us to to think about and talk about
2: well I was trying to steer away from what might obviously come up because I know that there's I I sort of feel like one of us has has dibs on a particular topic so I'm going to steer Mm -hmm. away from that Um, at least one of us but I think one thing that was memorable for me this year was this was This was a year when the conversation around the national quality framework just changed slightly so that when we were talking about it, we were talking about the changes, which there weren't too many of. And I think we'll all agree that they're not too devastating. There there were some things in there that have made things more straightforward. And there were some little things that maybe not so great, but in general, it wasn't a massive change. And this to me was the year when we didn't have to argue for the retention of the NQF and for um, for quality, I think it's it's. I think the quality issue in Australia is it's not bedded down, but I think it is more thoroughly embedded than it has been in the past. And as we can see internationally, when you once you've got quality embedded, then you can work on some of the other things. So to me, that was. A really positive thing in the year, and I think having seen some other, other ways that things are, are being run in early childhood in the world, I think we should be really proud
0: of that fact. Yeah, I think that's a really. Yeah, good, that's a good not? point, Leanne. Yeah. Oh, this wasn't going to be all doom and gloom then. Well done, Leanne. That was very no, positive. no,
2: and I, I really, I've, that's sort of been a, a feeling of mine for quite a few months of this year, and I just, I just think you know when systems fail, I, they quite often fail because quality isn't taken care of now i'm not saying it's perfect not by any means and i don't think we should ever think that a system or an approach to to ensuring children have the highest quality should ever be you know the doors should ever be closed on that but i think that um for me this is something that we should be proud of and we should continue to build on what we have
0: yeah i think and i actually i actually agree with you leanne i think there, I, I, I'm thinking particularly back quite a few years to when uh, to when Tony Abbott was elected prime minister, and there was a real risk then. I think so. Susan Lay was the the early childhood mm. minister, and there was there was real talk about the NQF, you know, being a terrible thing mm. and just being burdened and red tape and really rolling it back. And we just haven't that. I think you're right that argument. I don't think you can ever say an argument's completely won, but it has just. I I think it's going to be very. It it just seems to be that it's it, it it's settled and. To a large extent, the, the national quality framework, with some tweaks going forward, just seems to be um, where we'll be for quite a while, and that is really positive. And because yeah. that, that that doesn't just happen for no reason, that that's to do with a lot of advocacy and, um, you know, think uh, you know advocacy and work from a whole range of organisations and individuals and and, and centres and educators. So yeah, that is a really big success. Yeah. I think you're right. It
2: is, and and I think that you know we'll we'll be getting to a generation that says a generation of educators that says oh. Was there a time without the National
0: Quality Framework?
2: (laughs) I love that idea.
0: I still remember those fun days of NCAC and your endless folders of evidence for all the various things you do. I'll have a soft spot in my heart for all those folders for the rest of my career. Oh, Leah.
2: (laughs) I I don't don't rule out people's sort of, you know, addiction to that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I think we have to hold strong. We have to have rehab programs for that sort of stuff.
0: That's all right. Pour one out for the validators, people. Remember them?
2: <laughs>
0: um, that's fantastic, know You got us off on a, on, a, on a good, positive start, and I'm sure Lisa will continue that with her, with her thing from Strangely 2017. Strangely
1: enough, Liam, I won't, because oh. as regular listeners would know, there's an optimist in our group. <laughs> And, and
0: there's us two. And
1: there's a pessimist. <laughs> and then there's someone who's way, way below pessimism. Like, I don't know quite how to describe where you are, Liam. Oh, <laughs> so what um, the thing for me was the subtle changing by the Department of Education to remove all all mentions of the word education about anything that is done in the early education and care sector. So um, we now, you know, we have a childcare sector that's kind of for some reason stuck in the education department and administered by the education department. And I doubt if it'll ever be actually moved out of there. Remember that short-lived, horrible, horrible few weeks when we went over to social services? It feels like a um, fever dream and, now.
2: <gasps> yeah, it's horrible. Um, but, that was, was that two, year, two years ago, wasn't it? That was two years ago. I don't know. I just remember that
1: yeah. Christmas um Liam, where you and i were writing about it like on christmas
2: eve or something yeah yeah i was i was in tasmania and sitting under a tree and and we were co-writing something (laughs) (laughs) um
1: but yeah um i think you know like i always look at your pinned tweet liam which was (laughs) that um you know, uh, just he left a pinned tweet most of the year saying, just r- wanted to remind you people that, you know, um, uh, our early education, um, the, the program that's now talking about early education is called the Jobs for Families program. And I watched as, you know, in almost every space within the Federal Department of Education, the word childcare took over from early education and care. And I just think that says a lot about 2017 that really, you know, we're just back to um, being the people that allow people to be productive members of the workforce.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Was that
1: pessimistic enough for you?
0: No, I think it's a really good one, Lisa. And I think we, we, we talked about it a little while ago. I think I might have written something on the blog, um, on my blog, the uh, uh, couple of months back because i think it is that it look there were people that argue it's not important what does it matter what we're called it's you know matters what's being um did, you know, delivered by by educators and services across the country it, it, it this does matter particularly particularly when it's a reversal and look and this may just be a a, a crazy thing in my head but when we'd made so many gains and we'd um we, you know, under, in 2007, when Kevin Rudd, this is 10 years ago, God, when Kevin Rudd was first elected and we had, you know, early childhood in the ministry for the first time, and then the NQF and, uh, you know, uh, the fantastic Kate Ellis as the, the shadow minister for early childhood, um, these were significant. They did, that you can directly sort of link... The, the move of early childhood into the education portfolio to things like the National Quality Framework and you know, the the universal access to, to preschool part, the National Partnership for Universal Access. This stuff does matter. And I think it the, I, this could be, be me being a bit crazy. I think it's almost worse if that hadn't happened and we were still childcare. That's still not great, but at least you know we haven't sort of lost anything. It feels like we made all these gains and now we're right back to where we were 10 years ago, which is... It's just really disappointing.
1: Mm. And I think yes. it also just shows. Sorry, I think it also just shows the absolute need for continued advocacy around early education, around you know the um, the notion that what we provide is early education.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. For
2: sure. Let's just call it early childhood education.
0: It's not that hard.
2: Yeah, really, and get rid of the care bit altogether. <laughs> I, I'd be
1: into that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this doesn't okay. seem that hard. Done. <laughs> Done. Um, now, yeah, shocking nobody. Mine one will also be fairly uh, downbeat and, and, and gloomy. I, I don't feel like I've got to the end of 2017 with too much to be excited about in the early childhood. Uh, sector. Um, I want to talk about, and, and um, my apologies, I may have talked about this on the show before. I just I just honestly can't remember. <laughs> my brain feels like it's been squeezed through a colander over the last couple of months and there's not much of it left. Um, I was really fortunate to attend the SNAKE conference uh, in, well, I'm going to say October or September. I honestly can't remember. Um just the first day but it was really powerful that was when a lot of the bikino speeches were being done um there was a fantastic you know noel pearson talking about uh the bringing them home report 20 years on which was you know the huge uh report on um aboriginal deaths deaths uh, deaths in custody and you know and the effects on the stolen generation it was just it was incredible you know to hear noel uh you know talking about his experiences and and, and how challenging that had all been. Um, what I wanna particularly talk about though is the Department of Education where they're running a session on BBF services and supporting BBF services to transition to the new system now we've yeah we've we've look, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast we think this is one of the most shameful acts, aspects of a very shameful package for <laughs> Australia's children um, but to seemingly you know cruelly just target you know services that are primarily there to support Indigenous children and families seems is a level of cruelty I'm still struggling to to come to terms with um, but to sit in a room watch you know these bureaucrats from Canberra in their suits sort of try and explain how simple and amazing this system is to a group of uh, pretty fired up and pretty incredible uh, Indigenous service owners and service operators. And basically, uh, you could have heard a pin drop after some of these moments and you could just hear that people were waiting for the and now for questions and the barrage of stuff that came back to them. Uh, I often, and look, I, I go to a lot of sector meetings. I've been, I have I went to the Department of Education when they initially did the roadshows after JFF passed. I get a bit frustrated because I sit there and the sector, I think, and, and this may just be an ACT thing, but the sector it can be quite meek and mild. No one puts their hand up. No one has any questions. I feel terrible as often one of the very few uh, blokes in the room having to talk over people. But I do always wait. I, I, I wait and see if someone else will put their hand up and talk. No one else ever does. So I put my hand up and rant for... Uh, you
1: should <laughs> come up to New South Wales. Yeah, we're I think a stroppy it'd be different. brunch yeah, up
0: Well I don't know. It's, we're all too relaxed in camera or something. So I put my hand up and generally go on you know, endless rants and um, you know, probably get myself put on do not enter lists for future Department of Education uh, seminars. Um I I it was great to just sit back. I, I I did not say a word and it would not have occurred to me to say a word, given this is not my my background and my experience, but to hear the the frustration, the crankiness and the sheer um, you know, passion of these services um just rounding on the department. Really that that has stood out for me since the day it happened and probably for me is the key thing I'll take away from 2017, which is you know out of a really bad package, which is a really bad deal for children. that uh, This particular part of it, I, we we should never forget that this was that this was done um, and and sort of sailed through sailed through parliament. And
1: Liam, can I just add one further thing Go to that? Me. I think. Um, There was a slight victory when a part of the community childcare fund um, funding, part of that safety net, was quarantined for budget-based funded services. Um, But if their application process is going to be the same as what happened for um, generalist services then I think we're going to find a lot of our Aboriginal services really struggling to get the same money that they're getting now. Yeah. It was an app- appalling process.
0: It was. Um, and, and you do know, you know, From what the,
1: start to finish.
0: The The JFF session at the Snake Conference was after that was announced. Um, and people weren't happy with it. And I agree with them. And for a couple of reasons. One... They're, despite the so that the education department was funding, I think Price Waterhouse Coopers to do consultancy to help services transition over. Uh, the people in that room weren't weren't happy with that with how that was going. They say it was it was ridiculously confusing. They weren't getting enough support. PwC were spread too thin. They were trying to you know there wasn't there wasn't any individualized support. Um, the but the other key. Did you thing- see
1: how much work PwC got from the Australian government uh, this year? No wonder they were trying to spread yeah, they were spread can, a bit too. Thin. <laughs>
0: I can only imagine. But um, the other key thing, and this is something we don't, that I think that no one was thinking about as this stuff was being passed, and there were really good points being raised in that room, were uh, they would have to transition over to this new system in order for, you know, for for families to be getting the support to ensure they were paying, you know, as little... Uh, as they are currently paying, they would have to be accessing the childcare safety net, and they would have to have a huge numbers of Indigenous children and families self identifying as being vulnerable or disadvantaged just in order to get the same or pro- not even likely the same at least a lower level of you know payment than they're currently getting now, which is just which is you know in my view unethical, offensive, and utterly you know abhorrent. Why why should Indigenous people have to access this? you know, mainstream safety net and basically put their hands up and say, hey, we're Aboriginal, we we, we we need to access the safety net when the system they're in currently now is individually funding. It's based in community, they're run by community, they don't have to jump through these ridiculous hoops to, to access a service. And, you know, that to me is the key issue here with the whole reason these services, you know, were, were block funded in the first place is they can't work within the mainstream system and they shouldn't, they shouldn't have to.
1: Yes, they should. We need bureaucratic neatness, Liam. You keep forgetting this. We can't have these services off the side actually being responsible to what the community needs, for God's sake.
0: (sighs) Can we go back to Leanne? She said positive things at the start. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I want to know what this next thing on our running sheet is, Liam.
0: (laughs) This is more fun. So I guess that's – was there anything else we wanted to say in general – About 2017. I guess the only thing I would say, this was our first full year doing shows. And despite, I think I sort of said, we we stumbled a little bit at the end. It's been a really great experience, I think, doing it in 2017. And when, when when I separate out policy and practice and all that other stuff, I think what I actually will remember about 2017 as I go forward is getting to chat to you two each week for the show.
2: Yeah. yeah, That's been fun. I feel like I've been missing in action a bit, but you allowed me to come back in and make the coffee and stuff for a while before I got on air again. So I appreciate <laughs> that.
0: It's
1: good the way you were sweeping under our desks every yeah. day. We liked that.
0: It was great. Yeah. It was really good. Um, So, yes, our next section is going to be kind of we're each going to make a prediction for 2018. But before we do come that... On. I oh, right. <laughs> now neither I Lisa really or Leanne remember. know what, what I'm about to spring on them, and I, I I can't wait to with Glee to to remind them about this. So when we did that, when we did our end of year episode last year, we made predictions for 2017, and I went back oh, and listened to that episode. Oh. Do either of you remember your predictions?
2: Not at all. So
0: three predictions were made. Can I
2: hope I? it's not the same one I've got for this year?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. So. I thought we. I mean, so we're 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 an upfront, transparent podcast. We're not going to let those predictions just lie there. We're gonna we're now going to assess them about whether who who won and who lost. Now, all I can say at the moment is uh, two of us did not do so well, and one person. Oh, did. I bet so, it was
1: you and me, Liam. I bet it was you and me.
0: No, do you know what, Lisa? You oh, were the only one no. with an accurate prediction. Oh, Leanne and I are going to have to hang our heads in shame.
2: So,
0: did I'm either of you, around the room have you got any guess? Have you got any any idea what your prediction will be, Lisa? Any prediction, what it what? prediction? Can you remember what your prediction at the end of twenty sixteen was? I'm
1: sorry, I can't. Oh.
0: So, Lisa, you predicted that the Jobs for Families package would pass. We just had a conversation. I was flat out that it will not because. God, we have to cast our minds back to right back to the start of 2016, even end of 2015. It, the government was really struggling to get any support in the Senate for this. And I made the confident, bold prediction. Um, this wasn't my formal prediction, but while we were talking about yours, I said, look, there's no way. They can. They haven't got it through up to now. They're not going to be able to get anything through. And you... <laughs> There's a great moment where he actually go Liam, 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 and proceeded to very clearly explain to me how <laughs> how politics works. And you said you not only said it would get through, you said they'll make concessions to the cross branches, including the Nick Xenophon team. And that's pretty much exactly what happened.
2: Lisa, <laughs> I can read politics.
0: <laughs>
2: a that's fantastic. And what did what did we say at that point? Did we so,
0: say no? No, you agreed, Leanne. So you you were on team Lisa. So you get I get you get half a point, maybe. But um, I was adamant. I tried to argue with you for several minutes, Lisa, that, that no, I, I know how this is going to go down. <laughs> I can
1: listen to it now.
0: <laughs> it's worth it. We, yeah. both sound, we all sound so young. Um now, now mine, see this mine again, fitting with the doom and gloom philosophy. So this was before the NQF review was public, we remember, and I was very worried that it'd taken so long that it was going to be. So my prediction was that the NQF review is going to come out and it's going to be terrible appalling, it's going to be a conservative nightmare. And It's basically going to be a gutting of the NQF, that the time frames will be pushed back beyond 2020, the rating system would go. Uh, yeah, that didn't happen, not even close.
2: I th- and I think I disagreed with you about that, didn't I? I
0: think you may have. We didn't talk too much about mine, obviously because it was patently so ridiculous. But um, I think we were just waiting <laughs> to find out. So, my, I've, one, I've
2: got the feeling. I've got a feeling mine was ridiculous as well. Well, but Leanne, yes, keep
0: going. But at least yours fits in with the thing you were you were being positive. So your prediction was that in twenty seventeen the government would announce funded three year old preschool to start around about twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. You said that announced it and then rolled out later. Um, which unfortunately didn't happen, but it should oh, have. Can we say yeah. it should have? That,
2: that was optimistic,
0: didn't. wasn't
2: it? Yeah.
0: Mm. So, look, one oh, out of three, well. that's probably not a fantastic record yeah. for a podcast, but.
2: No, I reckon that's good. I that think right? that's good.
0: Okay. Yeah, I well, think that's great. So, what this means and is. Thematically, that, but that's right. thematically,
2: we were all on target because JFF was on, NQF was sorted, and the three year old preschool stuff was really on the agenda.
0: That's true. Yeah. I, I'm actually a bit surprised, Leanne, that yours didn't come true. I mean, it just seems...
1: Leanne, I don't think it was on the agenda of the government.
0: Ah, oh, <laughs> Well, sorry. no, Birmingham Mistakely, was talking about it. He was it talking was, about it, it.
2: But they talked about it. They did talk about it. And it was it was certainly sort of on the Mitchell Institute agenda and then it came forward in a number of other ways as well. Yeah. Oh, someone got a thunderstorm in the background there.
1: No, I'm very sorry. I live in Marrickville. And air conditioner's broken, and I've got the window open to try and get a breath of cool air. Yeah,
0: these summer rewards, And they're always planes tricking.
1: going overhead.
0: <laughs> All right, well, given that Lisa's now the reigning champion with her prediction, maybe we might force you to go first then, Lisa, for your prediction for 2018. No pressure. Yeah. But reigning champion, mm. will you hold on to your title?
1: Um, okay, my prediction is that the wage equality case will um, finally be heard go through and I think educators will get a moderate, not a huge, increase. I think it will be found to be proved that there is a, a gender wage disparity with educators in the early education and care sector earning less than their compatriots in other professions like welders and people like that. Other people who make things. Um, We just happen to make human beings. They make other things. And I think that'll go through and educators will end up with a modest wage increase. And then we'll be into the argy-bargy of who should fund that. Mm. Ah, okay.
0: That's really interesting.
1: What are yours? What are
2: yours?
1: Oh, do you two agree with that? Just so that we can have this on the record. Look,
0: I yeah. Well, given that yeah, we you know well, I'm to do this th- again I'm next gonna...
2: year. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm going to go with you. And let's face it, Lamb, she's got the numbers.
0: I know. I I feel I, I I'm nervous to go against her, but I think I I'm less yeah. I'm, I don't know I'm less confident than you that they'll I think want to be I think they're going to do a bit more of a water dance. So I think they'll they'll make some. Except because uh, there's no way they can avoid the gender issue, so it, it's, it's what it is. Like it, it is completely unavoidable. What I think they'll say um, is that, it, but it's a market issue, and they don't have a capacity to get involved. They'll do something around that, which is look, it's an issue, but given the nature of the sector, it's a, it's completely market based. It's completely. Uh, I I think there'll be polit there'll be significant political pressure. And look, and Works Trade is independent, but it's also. You know, there's also some um, uh, correlation with the government of the day. I, I, I'm, I'm, ner- I, I yeah. I, 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 hope you're right, Lisa, and I'm, I'm not going to make a absolute prediction that you're wrong. Um, I'm just, a bit, I'm a bit less confident. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. Back December 2018, we'll be r- trying to remember what we. <laughs> what well, we what we, we did again? <laughs> what was your? I feel like
2: I should write it down, and <laughs> pin it on
0: the uh, pin on the wall, just to be ready. That's right. So, what are you? What, what's your uh, big thing for twenty eighteen, Leanne?
2: Oh well, I don't know that it's a big thing, um, but I think that there will be money around for um, delivery of information and PD on the jobs for families package now (laughs) i know i know that's No, i know that's a bit weak because there's going to have to be something even if (laughs) it's no there's not okay (laughs) oh well here we go there here's a what's what's your view lisa (laughs) (laughs) i i actually think there will be something but i i'm not sure how much but i think that there will be there there will you know that someone's going to look around and go, hey, "How did we do this stuff before?" Oh, I remember. Or well, no, I didn't. I don't remember. But <laughs> other people will say, "Oh, I remember. There was a professional support coordinator." <laughs> anyway, that's look. That's my lame-o prediction. Mm. It's not very exciting. It doesn't bring anything particularly. Um, I feel more proud of last year's prediction, even though <laughs> it didn't come true. Anyway, would
0: mm. they? Is it would they have had to have announced that kind of by now though, Leanne? In terms of we're only what six months away from.
2: Uh, No, I'd say the month before (laughs) the Jobs for Families package, there will be a tender, an extensive tender process that will go for, say, four to five months. Mm. And um, then that will be announced. And by that time, no one's going to give a crap. Anyway, so there you go. Oh, dear. I think that the
1: history within the department at the moment of the history of things, implementation of things like CCMS or NQF or any of those things is totally gone because most of the people, apart from the very, very top, most of the people have only been there a short while. So Mm -hmm. I think they'll be shocked when they discover that
2: things become really hard. But that's, I guess that's what I'm sort of saying is that they'll suddenly go, oh. You know, when people when people are kinda of going, well, we're getting it wrong or we're we're not really sure what to do and that at that point that will trigger it. I don't I'm not I don't believe there'll be any preemptive planning.
0: Hmm. Can only hope, I guess. I mean they'll be too busy hmm. fixing the uh, IT portal which will collapse on the first day. That's not my prediction. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> is it is it is it a prediction if it's a dead certainty? I don't think it's a prediction. <laughs>
2: Yes. Is it? Will it be ready? Will it actually be ready?
1: I think I'd, I'll make a prediction about that. I don't know if any of you rem- remember back yes. in the CCB yes. days, right? But when CCB first came in, it was such a mess in terms of administering it <laughs> that they actually had in place a system where you could just ring up and say, I need some money. And they would say, how much do you want and deposit that much into your account, regardless of how much education and care you'd actually delivered at the time. But it would be reconciled, you know, a few months down the track. I had great fun as uh, doing admin and a service that time because every Friday <laughs> afternoon I'd ring my mate in the department
2: and I'd say – we need some money. And bingo, are going to way. Liam, I think that Lisa is identifying a rot. Well <gasps> <laughs> no, it wasn't a rot, because eventually, you know, they Lisa.
1: reconciled it all backwards. But just for, you know, at least six or eight weeks, you know, mm-hmm. we just rang them up and said we need money. And Sounds like us Sounds like a sharp
0: practice to me, Lisa.
2: It does sound like a sharp practice. And interestingly, I think that um, you know, I, in my recollection as a director in the um, in the Stone Age, you used to just manage every everything itself. There was no no, um, there was free relief, but there was no CCB, no nothing online or anything like that. And you actually managed it from your own world and made decisions on how much families needed.
0: Yeah,
2: quite like that. It's, it's
0: quite good. <laughs>
2: Yeah, auto alert. That's all right. Well, that's right. Well, maybe. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so apart from the obvious prediction that the system will collapse on on uh, July second, um, I'm going to go big again. I figure you may as well swing big and see what happens. My prediction is going to be that one of the big four profits is going to fall over in 2018. <gasps> oh. I feel like we are we are actually. Well past the time this should have happened, and there are there's been worrying signs from a few of them in particular for quite a while. Um, I think we're well overdue for this to happen. I think the combination of the uncertainty around the new package uh, and a whole you know range of you know sort of other stuff that's happening in terms of you know, the private equity market, um, occupancy, and the ridiculous rates that are being paid for centres nationally. Uh, I actually think we'll we'll see one of them go down in 2018
2: so so is it going to be an abc like going down or is it going to be a, themselves taking themselves out of the market
0: it's hard to tell i mean i mean i i don't know enough about these sort of these you know how these how these uh sort of big businesses work particularly at a for profit level at the big end I, I don't think it'll be as disastrous as the abc one i think people are I I think people will step in Well, you would hope that you know people would step in at the right moment to avoid it becoming an absolute disaster and I don't it, and my feeling is it'll be it, it won't be on the scale of abc because there just aren't no provider has that many centers at the moment uh, and it might be one of the ones that just has sort of 200 300 centers so it'll be bad but it won't be an absolute catastrophe but I feel like it's just been we've been waiting on this precipice for one for this to happen for a few years now um, and I think the combination of a couple of different things happening next year—that that's going to be my prediction. I'm going big or going home. That we're going to, we're going to. You know, it's, it it's interesting.
1: Down. I wonder whether the Department of Education has similar fears to you, um, Liam, because they have inserted into the. Uh, I'm not exactly sure here. I can't remember where I read it. I've got a blank happening in my brain, but I, I suspect. I think it was into the legislation for the approval process um, to be approved to be a um, an approved provider. So, mm. at the moment, CCB, CCR and future CCS, that any service with any organisation with over 25 services has to prove has to be able to approve on an ongoing basis their financial um, uh,
0: liquidity not or not sustainability solvency
1: uh, uh, yes yeah, sustainability solvency to be able to continue to be approved
0: mm. oh and that's it
1: was interesting. just it uh, yeah I just it crossed. Yeah, my eyes, and I made a mental note of it, and then completely forgot about it until you brought it up. But yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I'm wondering if mm. they know something that we don't know, and they're yeah. worried about something. And well, they should be because one large um, provider has uh, a whack of um, uh, goodwill on their books, yeah, um, which is made up of the the licenses of the services and as we know licenses or approvals can't be transferred yeah. without that their books wouldn't look so good would they be you know would they actually be um,
2: such a good you know, a purchase if, if and they I, and that? that's right and I think we've we've all seen some of those broker reports that we think the information in those is fundamentally untrue <laughs> in terms of their financial reporting. Yeah, you know, but I, I find this really interesting because in that um in that world of broking there are lots of analysts and they're highly paid. And you know what they're not getting anybody to analyze is early childhood and childcare. So they're it's, they're It's kind really bizarre because I, they're making I find it predictions really for their too. customers
1: and everything about buying and yeah. selling this stuff. But they take what the companies
2: say at face value, but I, I so, do. I really, as a, as um, a, a business strategy, I find it bizarre because looking at all of those those um, brokers uh, over the years, you know, they they the resources they get people who are geologists who um, talk them through these things. They have them on on staff, you know, and they pay them huge amounts of money. And to my knowledge, there's no one who's sitting there commenting on childcare and. and Look, I think it might be a market for us, um, but you know, it's, <laughs> I just find that that fascinating because all three of us have read things and said, "Yeah, right, that's wrong, that's wrong, and that's wrong," and there's no way that their share price should look like that.
1: Yeah, one of the most you know um, outrageous ones I thought was actually G Eight in the last few weeks where they excused their. Um, their, um, they announced a lower profit um, than what they'd expected, and they said that the reason for that was that they thought that um, other states would fall into line with Queensland by allowing um, people to not have to be replaced during rest time, and it's like New South Wales was
2: never going to agree to that. Yeah. You know? okay that's right and anybody who works in the sector knows that and, that, and i guess that's what i'm saying like all you'd have to do is ask someone you probably wouldn't even have to pay for that advice yeah <laughs> of course
0: we give it for free every week yeah i know i know
2: yeah. so if you're
1: from a broker out there that you want some you know um really good understanding of what's true and what's false when the big corporates are saying it in early education and care you know where to find all of us earlychildhood.com we'll bake news Fake
0: news That's right That The mainstream media (laughs) won't tell you Uh, Oh, Well that's fantastic So we'll be We'll regroup December 2018 And uh, either Lisa will keep her crown Or I guess one of us will take it Or it might be All all, all three of us win Who knows Who knows Who knows (laughs) Who knows Now, we put out the call uh, a couple of weeks ago for some questions that we wanted to answer from listeners. And we've had a few, which is great. So we might just quickly whiz through them. Um, I just want to have a a, a thanks to uh, uh, Bridget, uh, Carl and Jennifer who have sent us questions. so I I, I sort of won't tag them to a specific person. We'll just go through and and, and have a chat about them. But um, we might start with... uh, uh, a nice one that uh, Bridget sent through on Facebook, which is, um, and I guess we'll, we'll tackle this individually quickly, is that why why are each of us involved in early childhood? You know, either working in or around it. How did we how did we get involved? And I guess why are we why are we here? Um, Lisa, do you want to maybe how did how did you get dragged into this crazy? Yeah, I'll say mine
1: very quickly. It was completely accidentally for me. I've gone on public record a few times about (laughs) I got in because I separated from the father of my children, and he was having the children a few days a week, and I wanted to make sure they were okay. So I did that by started working at their childcare centre, just doing the books. And went from then. Why I stay in it though is much more complex and multi layered. It's based on two things, and I'm sorry about this, Liam, but I love working in a <laughs> sector that's 97% women because it just reduces some of the power imbalances a bit. And the other reason I do it is because somehow I've been persuaded along the way that this shit that you guys do, this early education stuff, It's kind of vaguely important for the future of the human race, really. So, yeah, that's (laughs) me. And I'm glad that you guys do what you do because without it, I reckon we'd be stuffed.
0: That's lovely, Lisa. Mm. I think you can count Mm. yourself as part of the crew after all this time, by the way. Yeah, I don't think we'll be
2: other. We're not going to be othering. We're not othering. (laughs) Oh, Oh, good.
0: good. (laughs) I've read my feminist post-structuralism, Lisa. You're not being othered. Trust me. (laughs) all right leanne
2: um look isn't it funny when i saw that question because i didn't see it on facebook because i've I've ejected myself from that but um
0: i thought this was like (laughs) no wonder you're so positive and happy and
2: yeah yes exactly um well, I, I thought this was like a big strategic question about what is education for. So I'm not going oh, no. to I, I realise I've got that.
0: It's too late in the year for those uh, questions, Leah.
2: Yeah, sorry. Um, I was. Uh, I did have a, an immediate post-school um, education in early childhood teaching because I think there was some thinking that it would make me a great mum. Well, clearly I didn't need that because I already am. But, um, <laughs> oh, Modest too. <laughs> no, actually. I do think early childhood teaching did really inform my my mothering. But apart from that, so I I didn't love my um, training, but I I had the most wonderful um, lecturers at uh, the Institute of Early Childhood who were incredibly tolerant of me and managed to push me through because they must have seen something reasonable in me. Mm -hmm. And when I actually then went into the field and started working, I fell in love with early childhood teaching, with early childhood education, with early childhood politics, with community, with families, with all of those things. And um, and the social justice um, aspect of it really sort of ran deep with me my whole kind of life and it really, it really fed, um, I think, my desire to try and make a difference in the world, to to pursue social justice um, and I find politics and public policy ever fascinating (laughs) and I think for all of those reasons that's why I stayed and I just think that it is one of the most interesting places to work and you can find incredible jobs and um, do amazing stuff and work with amazing people for an amazing reason.
0: Yay, well that's they're all pretty good reasons. Look, I think yeah. the common theme between, between all three of us, I think, is sort of getting a taste and can't really imagine doing anything else, really, because it's kind of the same for me. Mm-hmm. I was studying um, media production and journalism at uni uh, and needed uh, a part time job to fund trips to the uni bar. Um, and there was an early childhood editor just down the road from me. And I'd always, um, oh, this is I, I hate this phrase, but I, I can't even say but I'd always liked kids. Always, you know, I'd done a little bit of babysitting. Um, and just, you know, had always just sort of been been good with children. I thought, well, this childcare center would be great. they they probably just look after kids and play with them all day. It'd be wonderful. Um, Did some casual work there and just immediately um, fell in love with the the sector, realized really quickly, thanks to the the, the fabulous team at the first community not-for-profit center I ever worked at, that it was far more than that, and I needed to up my game uh, very, very quickly and take it seriously. And then... Um, Did my certificate three, my diploma and my teaching degree all while working full time. I remember actually my first year working as a casual, I managed to work out with my uni schedule that I could arrange to have all my tutorials on one day and like space out the lectures throughout the rest of the week. But you never go to the lectures. Uh, So I was able to work four days a week at the center and just smash through my tutorials on one day. But then I ditched the degree uh, after the first year and, and studied my certificate three. Uh, instead, Which was a bit of a shock to my parents, I'll say. But uh, I guess it kind of worked out <laughs> in the end. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind what of really What a similar. loss
1: to, to media and journalism. You write so well.
0: Oh, uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, yes, because what media and journalism <laughs> needs, Lisa, is another straight white bloke writing about stuff. Yeah, that's a real <laughs> loss. It's a real I loss for society, Lisa.
1: Yeah, but in, oh, in, sometimes you yeah, know they do okay stuff.
2: But in the full full reality of that um, situation, because I'm going to kind of go a bit positive on this one, <laughs> um, is that uh, that's I think that's what I think is so wonderful about the sector as well in terms of your sort of career orientation is that you can engage in those things that you love, Liam, that are yeah. you know that are writing and and um, some of the other creative stuff that you do, and I think that that's one of the great joys of working in this sector.
0: Yeah, I produce media every I week do- now without a qualification.
2: Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, it's guess- very <laughs> which is
0: probably pretty obvious.
2: <laughs> guess
1: what, Liam? What? Leanne and I are doing a masterclass about podcast about how to pro- how to produce a podcast. Are you t- are you planning on pitching me? Not, we're not running. Hang on, it.
2: we're not running it. We're going. To
1: no, not doing the yeah, technical on. stuff. Not doing the. Uh, sorry, about how oh, to no, be. No.
0: The only reason I'm on this show is that you two that. can't edit it and put it out there. Don't don't go and no, learn no, how the, to do that.
2: Not the, technical, go, oh, not the
0: technical. Oh, good. Technical production. It's terrified the me then.
2: Stuff, no, no, we're going to go and do it and be history. straight. Yeah. So you'll have to do less editing so that you'll have to, you know, so that you'll be more excited about us being on the podcast.
0: Excellent. Well, that's okay. It's, well, part,
2: of the, it's part of the Opera
1: House is all about women thing. Nice. And so they're teaching chicks how to do podcasts. So.
0: <laughs> well, look, as long as you yeah, both continue to force to have me on the show, I, as long as that remains the status <laughs> quo, I'm happy.
2: <laughs> I, I don't think without you there is no show
0: <laughs> Not if you, you keep, keep going to these classes and that. increasing your education So just, you know, put a stop on that No time
1: for Okay that. Yeah, <laughs> We will
0: All right we, I said we'd answer that question quickly what, We've which, taken about which, 10 minutes oh, <laughs> um, oh, well,
2: It's the last one of the year That's true last one. I listen to podcasts that go for two to six hours For goodness sake, you know <laughs> People feel this is too long Turn off
0: There's a little feature on most podcast apps Where you can speed up the way people talk as well It goes a lot quicker I get through a lot of uh, American politics podcasts that way Um, Now... This is. Uh, does, this that
2: mean, does that mean that Lisa would say there's one thing, or she'd right. still say there's two things just faster? I think that's right, <laughs> two
0: times. Um, this is uh, quite a long one. It's quite, I guess, it's semi-controversial. I'm trying to work out if this person's talking about us when this question's asked, but I'll ask the question. Uh, why is early childhood education full of self-proclaimed experts and consultants? In any other profession, serious credentials, such as academic positions or senior roles, are valued, but there is a plethora of, that's such a good word, so full marks for this person, plethora, I love the word. But there is a plethora of early childhood experts who dominate the discourse of early education in this country. Why is this so, and is this to the detriment of both implementing evidence-based practice and to the credibility of the sector? What credibility do our early childhood early childhood consultants really have, given anyone can call themselves one?" Um, I think all three of us have called ourselves consultants at one point or another, haven't
1: <laughs> we? I don't think she likes the show, Liam. Do you think, not like
2: our I'm show? Not sure. I'm not sure. No, I, don't know. I actually think it's a good question. It is a good because, question. I
0: agree. I, yeah, I,
2: I think it's a great question. And I, I had a little think about this one, as you know, and, and wrote something about it. And I, I, I just sort of think that there are lots of consultants in everything. And wherever there's a market, there are consultants. And I think sometimes people call themselves consultants when they're working part-time and there's no other good kind of, you know, there's no other good way of saying that you do a bit of contract work and and that's how you you might be managing, you know, your life and your studies and all those sorts of things. Um, But I think that there have been some opportunistic um, people who have taken advantage of things like the long daycare PDP, uh, and and funding that has gone just broadly out to the sector so mm. I think that there, there's there's a good point but I think it's up to people to be discerning about yes. who they use that and, and how response. they use them
0: yeah oh sorry Can, you go no 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 I was gonna, I just entirely agree that was exactly going to be my response to this is that you know it's no different than any other sector there will be a, a wide range of consultants and there they will be as successful as people um, deciding whether they're good or not. My, my advice in this space would be um, <clears throat> is exactly what you said, Leanne, be discerning and particularly check on, I would like to know for, you know, how when was the last part of time this person, you know, if it's if it's an individual, when did they last, you know, work in an operational role uh, in the sector? Um, we need to remember that the NQF isn't that old. So I imagine there's a huge amount of consultants around who haven't actually operated, you know, haven't actually taught or directed or worked in an, in an operationally... Uh, active sense in under the nqf um and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not great but, uh, but that would be a question i would ask in terms of what is their knowledge of the system as it operates now um but also just the what i would point out the the, the stuff that and this is maybe a personal thing but i think it's i think it holds true <clears throat> is avoid things that are just about that are really wishy-washy and use terms like whimsy and um, that have glitter everywhere and everything's in, you know... It just seems to cater to a very specific sort of aesthetic that... Doesn't actually speak to the professionalism of early childhood for me. You know, if I was looking at a consultant's um, you know previous work or their you know their their package of what they were doing, I would be looking for direct links to the National Quality Framework. I would be looking for direct links to the standards, to the Early Years Learning Framework, and to operational considerations. I would not be looking for selfies taken with with different people and stuff about um, moments of whimsy. In, that that I, I don't know what those people are talking about.
1: It's funny, Liam. I I get impl- I make my living as a consultant in this sector. It's a word I've never really been happy with, but I presume that the people who are contracting me to do work have looked at my work in that yep. area or at my skill set and think, yes, this matches. So. I've always make it clear that I'm not an early childhood teacher. I'm not an educator. I've never, apart from my brief um, little time in, in um, doing the books for a service, I was. I've never actually worked in a service. But that isn't why people are contracting me as an expert. They're contracting me because they understand that I have a you know in-depth knowledge of policy, or that you know I write okay, or that mm-hmm. you know I seem to appear to have read the regulations one or two or three or four <laughs> times. So, you know, it's that, like it's on, I don't have a degree in that stuff. Yes, that's true. But it's the body of my work that stands up. And I think very much the same with you as well, Leanne. People look at you and say, this woman knows what she's doing. And, you know, therefore we want, you know, some of her knowledge to help our service.
0: I do want to say my yeah. I, I made a I made a joke early much earlier this year to some colleagues at work saying my backup career given the explosion of consultants in early childhood my backup career if I ever get fired from my current role uh, will be being a consultant to early childhood consultants so I'm going to be an early childhood <gasps> consultant consultancy I'm going to help early childhood consultants I well, uh, get better a good idea We so
1: need one Liam How, we uh, so
0: need one I think one. it's a gap in the market no, that no one's We need to be touching.
2: organized
0: and, and... Yeah. So no one take a that no, no one steal that idea.
2: A cons- a consultants mm-hmm. union, you could start
0: that. <laughs> I, I'm but you know
2: what? That, I know you're being. I, I know there's sort of a bit of bit of uh, ho hum funniness about that, which maybe there isn't. But I think that the opportunity does definitely exist for that in, um, you know, doing that that PD around adult learning and around around all of those things, because sometimes we take early childhood knowledge and try and put it out there in a form that is not always creative for adults and not always um the best kind of learning um strategies and theory and philosophy for adults so, so i reckon you could start that and you could you could run that that would be that'd be terrific thanks
0: okay well i'm, I'm set for next year then uh hmm. The next question. There is talk of an impending cabinet reshuffle. Would you like to see Senator Birmingham replaced immediately as Minister for Education, or would you prefer to see him stay until after July 2018? What do you think, Lisa?
1: Wow, who asked that?
0: That will be our good friend, friend of the podcast, Carl.
1: Ah, uh, Okay. I would like to see him go immediately because he's never (laughs) seemed to particularly value early education despite the fact he's education minister. And I, yeah, I think that if someone with fresh eyes came into the job, they'd look at some of the things that the department um, are trying to do and put it through a heavy layer of questioning but it would have to be a very senior member of um of of cabinet who could do it? And when I look at the rest of them, I'm not really sure. <laughs> like Barnaby Joyce,
2: yeah, would we like Barnaby Joyce in the role? Right? <laughs> well, isn't he Scott Morrison originally... again? Perhaps? No, but isn't isn't Barnaby Joyce originally from New Zealand? Wasn't that his his <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's true? So if that's his, if that's the case, then he would come with maybe a few ideas because the New Zealand New Zealand system has some terrific ideas.
0: It's a good, I like your true, thinking, true. man. True. I like your yep. thinking.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. Was mm. there anyone who had a potential dual citizenship with Sweden or Norway? or
2: Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, that would be ideal. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Did, I, oh, did, did I, you want to tackle I that one, Leanne? One.
2: Yeah, I did just because I was going to say something about Simon Birmingham earlier. I think that um, I agree with Lisa, but the reason is different. The reason I think that he should is because in the last couple of days, the NAPLAN results have been announced. And his response to some of the challenges for Year 9 boys was, we really need to take a good, hard look at the system. And these teachers need to really be taking a good, hard look at themselves. Well, I'm sorry, but considering that he is the person who holds the ultimate role in the education system... He should be taking a good hard look at himself and he should have the back of the people who are out there doing the hard work. And for that reason, I think that he would not have my confidence at all.
0: Wow. Yeah, well, I, I can only agree. My only question would be, do we really have time to train up another early education minister? And there's likely to be an election next year, surely, isn't there? Given the, the nonsense with the citizenship stuff. But anyway... I that wasn't
2: understand. your prediction Hopefully. for 2018. You didn't do
0: that, prediction. <laughs> that <would have> <laughs> I mean, prediction. Okay, that seems like more of an inevitability. a <laughs> prediction. But,
2: change, uh, uh, change of leadership. Change uh, of leadership. Who knows? Yep. A swing against the libs in Benelong.
0: Uh. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> All right, we're going to go through two more. And gonna, oh, that's 27. We're going to do these. We're going to do these nice and quickly because they're quick questions. So, a question is from each of you: what one word? And I like how this person has nicely in the brackets then put one word, Lisa. Best sums up the state of the sector at the end of 2017. <laughs> one word. And can we, I don't want to have to do extra editing for beeping, Lisa. So no <laughs> swear words allowed.
2: <sighs>
1: um, okay, I'm thinking okay. hard here. <laughs> <laughs> this is what about like, Leanne, you go first.
0: One word.
2: Uh, one word. Mm. Uh I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I am gonna do two
0: under construction. Under construction. <laughs> like a, I'm gonna go backwards. Big backwards step.
1: I can't. Oh, that's not good. That's very pessimistic, Liam.
0: Well, I mean, could be worse. You can I add. A, you can add a verb yeah. in front of that.
1: I can't think of the word that I want to. Uh, I, I can't think of a word that says what I want to say. But um, <laughs> what is it, What's the word when you're living deluded?
0: Deluded. Dystopian. <laughs>
2: dystopian. Deluded. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I I mean, it is dystopian, no yeah.
0: dystopian.
2: Deluded.
0: deluded,
2: because I
1: think that, um, or, or maybe blind, because I think that. The um, childcare package is going to hit, and I don't think people are prepared for the no. impact that will cause on every, on a lot of the ways that we deliver education and care.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. And then our last one: if you could wave a magic wand and eradicate one bias from early childhood settings, what would it be, and why? One bias. <laughs>
1: I'd eradicate gender because 51% of the people in our services are female, um, females, and they get you know hit by gender bias, and the other 49% do too. And I think gender bias is at the root of a lot of society's um, problems, such as the number of women that get killed every year by you know, personal partners. And I think that, yeah, it's kind of like if you solve that one, I think then you can work on a lot of the other biases more easily.
0: Hmm.
2: Right. Wow. I don't... I. I don't feel like I can say anything one. at this point, man. That was tough because Lisa's really sort of gone – she's gone high. Um, can I just say Barbie dolls?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: You don't think we should be biased against Barbie dolls? I think bring in. Bring in.
1: Have them there. Have them with all of their clothes. <laughs> all of their dress-ups.
2: Everything.
1: I watched Love, actually, the other day, and I love that scene where she says, "Which, who should we give our, our daughter's friends? Which Barbie? The one? Domino tricks Barbie
2: or transvestite <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: I think have them all there in every single form and like have the whole the whole range of um of barbies with whatever whichever way they come in every bias that actually exists and then we can just embrace like everything that happens and we'll we'll all love it. everything oh wonderful
0: how am i going to top that let's eliminate the bias against consultants no um uh right I don't know. The gender's the big one, so I'm kind of with Lisa. This one, look, I, I don't know if you can use the word bias as the one term against it, but I would be, if I could eradicate people's um, nervousness or inability or, um, you know, sort of terrifiedness about engaging with Indigenous perspectives, I would eliminate that um, and reaching out to community. You
1: and, use
2: racism for that.
0: Yeah, look, I think that's part of it. Yeah. I I'd, I I don't want to label, you know... But you're, but
2: you're kind of yeah. talking about apprehension, aren't you? People's I think so. Look, yeah, I, I, I don't want to label
0: services that are struggling to engage with Indigenous perspectives as racist. Look, I think there's a there's a systemic cultural issue with that, but I don't think it's fundamental. I, I think it's the people are nervous, scared, don't know where to begin and, and, and potentially don't see it as that important, which is an issue. But if I could eliminate that, so bias, so I probably haven't answered the question, but so if I can eliminate the bias, but if I could eliminate that apprehension or that stumbling block, I would do that. Mm. Yeah, I think it would be a Fair very enough. different that's... generation the next one if we could do that.
1: Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes.
0: All right. Well, that's the main uh, things we've we've got done uh, for our main bits of topics. So we'll take a quick break and then be back with our final recommendations, our summer holiday reading edition of our recommendations, our final for the year. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, welcome back. So, yep, we're going to do our final recommendations for 2017, and we won't be back for a little while. So, I guess this is—you uh, know how like the monthly does their great summer reading edition. This is like our version. This is our version of that. So, these pieces are going to tide you over for the next two to three months. So, no pressure. But Leanne, do you want to do you want to go first?
2: Yeah, I'm going to be really cheeky and just throw in a book there as well. Sorry, Liam, I'll be so fast. Um, (laughs) I I just want everybody to read over summer the second edition of Leadership, Contexts and Complexities in Early Childhood by one in Ganyaka, Cheeseman, Fennec, Hadley and Shepherd. Thank you. Great book. Go for Just it. Just
1: because that's and your light re- summer reading, Ms. PhD student. Oh, no, don't say that.
2: Don't say it. it's a. It's a wonderful book and it's been re-advised. Re- it has been read. its really good. And it's really, it's great. And it's got a lovely new cover. I love it. It's beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I but my that. other summer reading... Um, is a piece by uh, our good friend Lisa Bryant called A Mother's Love for Her Baby Isn't a Barrier to Work. The problem is more complex than that. And I think what is really, this has actually only just come out today, so it's hot off the press. But what I actually really love about this is that, Lisa, I think it's great because you name it. I think you, you've been so successful in actually naming some of the things that we find hard to talk about in this sector because we do kind of do an either or in a way as well. About you know, we want to say early childhood education and care is is great for all children and great for all families and all those things. But I think you actually lay that out really beautifully in this piece. So go, please, everybody, read this one. It's it's clever and it says a lot of really great things.
0: Yeah, good Thank job, Lisa. You. All right, Lisa, what's your recommendation?
1: Oh, I'll send you that money in the mail soon, (laughs) Leanne. No, this is completely
2: (laughs) unsolicited.
1: And you know what? Mine is too, and I know it sounds like we're all up ourselves for, you know, um, uh, for, for recommending each other's work. But Leanne pointed out to me a wonderful piece by Liam McNicholas, which I'm sure I knew at the time and loved and read at the time, but I'd completely forgotten about it <laughs> in the interim. So I read it today as if it was a fresh piece. And it's a piece that he did for The Spoke, um, uh, ECA's blog, and it's called Christmas, the most wonderful time. Or no, it's just called the most wonderful time of the year. And it's basically a takedown of the way we celebrate Christmas in the early education and care sector. And I don't think there was a word in it that I disagreed with. And it actually got me thinking a bit. So I'd like everyone to go back mm-hmm. and especially by the time you get to reading this, it will be post-Christmas and just think about whether or not it's true and you might approach Christmas somewhat differently next year.
0: I know what Hmm. usually happens is people read it and accuse me of being a Grinch and horrible and stop trying to stop people from childhood.
2: I think it's timeless (laughs) and it was written in 2014 so that makes it timeless and you
1: could write it about any celebration. Like, it's the same thing with yeah. all of these kind of big celebrations. And
0: I've got to say, having had a look at it again today, 2014, Liam was so much more kind and diplomatic and generous. So I wrote that piece today. Dear, oh, dear. People are beginning a walloping. Anyway... Um, <laughs> so uh, just to end the uh, self-congratulatory piece I'm not recommending anything Leanne and Lisa have done Although <laughs> so I heartily agree with um, Leanne's recommendation For that article from Lisa It's really fantastic um, My one's a book I, I read it uh, It came out uh, about two months ago And I read it as soon as it came out It's a it's a great I've book You've read to... a book? I've read a book Actual dead tree version I was wow. sitting and reading it while sitting outside uh, Watching the sun go down Uh, But it's called The Most Important Year Yes, it was lovely It's called The Most Important Year Pre-Kindergarten And the Future of Our Children Now it's from the United States And it's by uh, a woman called Suzanne Buffard. I've probably pronounced her name Wrong, but um, she's on Twitter And actually, this is the great thing about 2017 and Twitter, I I read the book And then tweeted her and said it was fantastic, and she tweeted back So you can can just do that with authors these days Oh, isn't that wonderful It's a really interesting rundown of the American system, which is really different from ours but also there are a lot of similarities but it talks about the fight for the recognition of you know those um those years before school and the book the book um focuses mostly just on that year before school because that's still such a huge argument they're having in the u.s they can't even begin to have the discussion about you know under twos or three-year-olds getting um, access to high-quality early education, the US is decades away from that discussion. So it is very focused on, you know, those four-year-olds. Liam,
1: Australia is as well, mate.
0: Yeah, look, well, yeah, we're ahead of the US, though. So um, I think I, I would just go into it with that context. So anyone looking for a big look at The Birth to Five, that isn't really this book. Um, but I just found it absolutely fascinating. And the way she tells... Know, different aspects of the system through going into actual um, what they call pre-K settings in the US and actually talking to teachers, talking to families. Um, it, it it was a really fantastic read. You know, um, uh, really recommend it if you can. Um, that can be your your summer reading while you're um, you know off on your breaks and uh, enjoying a the well earned break. Yeah, really highly recommended. Good, wonderful.
2: I I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna read that. And I'm sure they've got a Kindle version. They have. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's nothing like getting the nice hardback version, though.
2: I know. Maybe I do I'll get love it for a book, both. but I, I think a, like Kindle versions are a gift because you can take
0: That's true. 25
2: books in your pocket.
0: Very good point. Well, we've reached the end. We're done with our final episode for 2017. <gasps> oh, my God. Yay. So. Um, as we sort of said right at the start, we, we've um, we've really enjoyed doing the show uh, every week this year, and I think we've we've mostly stuck to that. We've we put out a podcast and a few bonuses um, each week. We we will be back next year, probably a bit later, probably not until March, and. Um, I, I imagine we probably won't do quite as many <laughs> episodes as we did this year. Um, we really appreciate everyone's support, particularly um, those who have been supporting us on Patreon um, and giving us rating and reviews and, and liking us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I think it, it, uh, it is, it, it, look, and this sounds like, you know, the, the, you know <laughs> complaining to people that are working incredibly hard in early childhood centers, it is quite a lot of work to, to do this each week and put it out. And um, so we, we, we're not sort of set, we definitely will be back. But um, I would imagine probably for some shorter some shorter blocks of runs, or more maybe once every two weeks next year. But um, look, honestly, the best thing you can do if you are enjoying the show and are and, uh, really clamoring for us to come back. Um, is let us know it not only puffs up our ego uh, but it really means we feel like we're, we're adding value to the sector and, and and is a good reason for us to continue doing this so you know if there's one thing I can ask I guess as, a, as an end of year present for the, for the three of us is if you're enjoying the show um, you know uh, reach out on Facebook or Twitter or, or leave us a review or um, you know consider you know um, donating a dollar a month to Patreon it would be really really important but um, we hope everyone uh, has a really fantastic um end of year break for those for those who are lucky enough to get you know a week or two off um and then we'll we'll see you on the on the other side of, of of the break we'll see you in 2018
2: and Lisa, should we throw in should there... We...
0: Both maybe we're both about something. to do the
2: same thing. We might thing. we might I was just wondering say it at the, same say time. the same thing. We should we should give um our big trophy now to Liam, the most valued employee in this um in this mm. podcast. Is that what you're say? I don't do well with praise. Yeah, exactly. By yeah. yeah. But, but, like, I'll just get it. I'll we never it out actually
1: of We never actually talk about him much in a positive way. So maybe <laughs> it's the time we did. It's Liam that you know, puts all of this together every week, does all the technical stuff that we really don't know how to do and has to edit out all of our swear words and (laughs) other things. And, you know, he even has to, you know, like he's got to keep us up to date on in emails and stuff. So it really is a lot that he takes on when he has a young family of his
2: own and a full-time job. Um, so, thank you thank for what you, you do. Them. Here's we can't give you a pay rise, but here's your trophy. I'm just lifting it up. Oh God, it's huge! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, uh, I,
0: I'm I'm very bad at accepting praise. I I get physically sort of uh, I start bunching up like a crab trying to get back into his shell or something. Um, like all I would say, there aren't too many people in the world I would do this uh, for each and every week. But uh, oh, you two uh-huh. are you two are right up there. So. Thank you That just oh, having a I'm chat with, get emotional with us. So, I know. It feels year. like <laughs> <laughs> it's been that kind of year. But um, let's end it there before we get too maudlin. so thank you very much, everyone who's listened. Um, the whole sure happy
1: happy, yes. you. wish you a happy Christmas. wish you a happy
0: Christmas. Didn't you read the article, Lisa? Oh, sorry. No, sorry. no acknowledgement of Christmas. Uh, have okay. a wonderful whatever you're celebrating at this time of year. Do it wonderfully. Have a drink on us, um, and we will see you. Oh, <laughs> We the will God. see you in uh, in early 2018. Bye, it's everyone. A
2: holiday. <laughs> bye, bye. Bye from me.
0: And from and me. And bye from me. <laughs> we got it wrong. <laughs> this is the perfect end of this podcast for the year. Bye, everyone. You have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Leanne McNicholas and produced by Liam McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com and while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyedushow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyedushow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.